So this week is our last week of our series called Deadly, where we're looking at the seven deadly sins. Uh, and we're looking at those things in our life that actually destroy us or they destroy the world around us. And we're looking at movie clips that portray uh, how that plays out. Uh, this is our last week, and it's our week on lust. Uh, so with this, I, we want to take, like, rather than thinking about the action of lust... Like, we really want to dive into what the root of lust is. Because when you think about it, like, you can lust for sex, but you can also lust for power. You can lust for money. You can lust for uh, success. And I think what you'll really see in this movie clip that we're going to show today is just how lust can play out. And so as we watch this movie clip, what I really want you guys to be asking yourself the question is, what am I lusting for? What is that thing that's kind of taken top priority in my life? Um, because as you see, as you can see how that thing uh, can destroy your relationships. Uh, and so the movie I want to show is a movie that I really, really enjoy. It's a movie called Don't Think Twice. Has anyone seen that, this movie? I think I saw one hand, two hands. Awesome. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a really brilliant independent comedy uh, about an improv team. I'm sure you recognize some of the actors. Uh, but yeah, enjoy. So it's interesting though, because at, like, why show that movie if we're having a conversation about lust, right? Why, why show a movie like that? Uh, and I think it's important for us to ask ourselves that question. Uh, and also where I kind of want to jump to this is because, uh, lust is really difficult when you're, uh, growing up a teenage Christian, <laughs> It just is. Like, it's a, part of, it's a part of who we are as humans. Like God said, be fruitful and multiply. And then he put into our bodies this desire to have sex. And so when you're a teenager and all of a sudden the hormones go through the roof, uh, in the day and age that we live in is so easy access to anything to satisfy that lust. And it's just, it's a very difficult, difficult place and time to be in. And I know this, that, because I feel like we do need to kind of address the sexual side a little bit on the front end, is uh, it is something that we need to embrace about our humanity is how difficult this tension can be sometimes. And it's one of those areas that for you, if, if you're sitting in, in the room and you're saying to yourself, man, I do struggle with that, uh, then don't, don't go through that alone. Reach out to someone. Send, send me an email. Send someone an email. I think it's really important. Uh, but the, the definition of lust is it's a lot bigger than just sex. Uh, so even in the dictionary, so if we open up the dictionary, we see that the uh, definition of lust is, uh, so it's a personal incl- inclination or a wish. It's an intense sexual desire or an intense longing, like a lust for life. Like some, that person is a lust for life, Right? And even, so in the scriptures, Jesus actually makes this bold statement. As he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he says, You have heard it said, uh, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus is making this profoundly bold declaration about lust. Now, when we look at what that Greek word is there, that Jesus, well, it's actually written. Uh, he probably didn't speak it Greek, but it's written in Greek. Uh, it's, it's epithumio, which means lust, covet, or desire. And actually, if we look at the Hebrew word for lust, which is kamad, 
And that word also means lust, covet, or desire. And so we see this word, kamad, show up a lot in the Old Testament. And I want to show you three different kinds that it shows up so that it gives us an idea of this bigger definition for lust. Because sometimes we can look at the action of lust or we can look at what the root of that action is. And I think we're really going to figure that out today. So we find in Proverbs chapter 6, do not lust, do not kamad in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. Right? We see this show up again in the book of Exodus, right? That same word that's used for lust is used in one of the Ten Commandments that says, you shall not covet, you shall not lust for your neighbor's house, you shall not lust for your neighbor's wife, you shall not lust for his male servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And then we see it also show up right at the beginning. We see it in the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We find it in Genesis. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing, and what's interesting is the Hebrew word they use for pleasing is actually the Hebrew word for greed, uh, but greedy to the eye and also desirable, lustful for gaining wisdom. Right? So we begin to see this broader picture of what lust can be. And that's the reason why I wanted to show that movie today. Right? Because we see so many examples of that playing out in the relationship of this improv team. Almost right at the beginning of the movie, right, the, the main characters, Jack, and uh, the female character, they get to go on. They get a chance to audition for Weekend Live. And then they find out their friend's dad had gotten a really bad motorcycle accident. And they still just say, hey, we got an audition, <laughs> right? Like rather than waiting, it's just so awkward. And it's supposed to be an awkward moment because what are you doing? Comfort your friend. And then it's this awkward moment. And then even the guy whose dad just got into a motorcycle accident because their lust is always for this thing, weekend live, this unattainable thing that none of them can get. He's like, what bits are you going to do? Right? And then we see these relationships just begin to get destroyed because their lust for success, their lust for moving up, their lust to move up was bigger than their desire for each other. And so really, we find ourselves in that movie, we find ourselves in this word, and we have to ask ourselves this vulnerable question, what am I lusting for? Right? Because lust, what it ultimately says is, what we're telling ourselves is, I'm longing for this so much because I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm not enough. But I know in my life, I just, I feel like I'm always in that place. <laughs> I feel like I'm always in that place where I feel like I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough for that. Uh, I find myself constantly longing and lusting uh, for change. Constantly longing and lusting uh, for things in my life to get better, for my circumstances to change. Uh, even in the place that we're in now, it's really easy for us as a church, as a community, to long and to lust for, we want the future to come now. We want to grow bigger. We want to be successful. We want our impact in the community to be bigger. We want all these things, right? And uh, so what I do, where I don't want us to get confused is ambition is not bad, Right? But when that becomes your all-consuming thing, it can destroy you. And I think that's what we see in that main uh, female character in that movie is uh, throughout the movie, if you get to watch it, it looks like she's lazy because she doesn't go to her weekend live audition. 
Uh, she seems just content with the place that she's at, and she looks like she's lazy, but then it all sort of culminates in that movie where, at the end where she says to him, she says, uh, like, Weekend Live isn't for me. Like, she's reached the place where she's realized, no, that, that, that isn't for me. I know that looks like success, but it's not. Because Jack made it to that place that was success. But then once he made it, his lust continually to stay there takes over and he sabotages his friendships uh, by stealing their material together to put it on Weekend Live. So where are we doing that in our own life? Where, where is your lust driving you where you're saying, I need to get ahead, I need to get ahead, I need to get ahead. And there's just a trail, a trail just of destruction behind you. Because we need to embrace lust. It's a lacking of us saying, I'm not enough. And maybe if you feel like you're not good enough, uh, you're not attractive enough, you're not talented enough, you're not smart enough. And really that is going to always drive us to lust in an unhealthy way and to drive and to push in a way that God doesn't desire for us. Uh, another thing I want to say about lust uh, is lust, it's always going to end us it's feeling empty. We're going to feel empty. And we see that in so many of the characters uh, throughout the movie. Is just, it leaves them this place of emptiness. Uh, and then lastly, lust is always going to leave us discontent. Uh, it will always leave us discontent. And the most beautiful scene in that movie that I love at the end, because that movie, it's all about lusting to get to that place, this thing called Weekend Live, and then in the end, they all sort of realize in this moment is, no, what we can do is we can take this porn theater and we can redeem it and renew it and turn it into something beautiful, right? We can turn lust into contentment, right? We can turn lust into something that we actually get to see beauty at work in the world because this is what we can pursue, and so I, I, I really feel like for us in our life, the reason why we lust is because we're not content. And the life that Jesus offers us is a life of contentment, right? And so just because we say contentment, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm content. I'm not going to do anything, right? Because we see that represented in that movie. Contentment meant that they got to do something beautiful, that instead of living for just themselves and their success, they got to do something for the world. They got to restore beauty in the world, and they say, no, we're going to find people in the community who are hungry, and we're going to do this together. And we see this fully represented in the scriptures and the life of the Apostle Paul. Right? If you don't know the Apostle Paul, read through the book of Acts. What happens is there's this man named Paul. He's really high up. Uh, Hebrew uh, scholar, lawman, and, and we see him show up for the first time at the stoning of Stephen, the first time a Christian was martyred and killed for their faith in Jesus, and he's there and he approves it, okay? So we see him show up there, and then he has this supernatural encounter with Jesus, and he says, I'm going to spread the gospel. And then what happens, the last half of the book of Acts, uh, Jesus only went probably about 50, 60 miles outside of his hometown uh, in his whole life. And then what we see is Paul, he goes on four different missionary journeys and he spreads the message of Jesus all over the world. We see this represented here, 
right? Those four different colors are the four different missionary journeys. Jesus spent all of his time literally like right there, okay? Jesus never really went outside of that. And then Paul brings it to the whole world. And what we see is that all of a sudden, uh, the Gentiles, because we have Jews and we have non-Jews, and all of a sudden the non-Jews are embracing the message of forgiveness and grace and Jesus. And we see it blowing up, right? And it creates so much tension. It creates so much conflict that Paul finds himself in prison all the time. And so he visits at some point this, he, and he starts a church in Philippi, which is, if you see that purple line, it's straight at the top. See, there's a little city called Philippi, right? So he visits this town, and then he finds himself in prison, and he writes a letter to them. And that's the book of Philippians. And I want to share a a part of the book of Philippians with us today. So this is what Paul says. Um, Actually, yeah, let's uh, skip to Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do this all through him who gives me strength. Uh, can we skip back to the previous slide? I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This is a man who's sitting in prison right now. Sitting in prison simply because he is preaching the name of Jesus. Right? So he's unjustly sitting in prison. Instead of being frustrated at his circumstances, he's learned the beauty of contentment. And the beauty of contentment is this. It's not that you relax and that you do nothing and that you're just content. What it is is contentment allows us to achieve our goals without baggage. Contentment allows us to realize that we are rooted in this salvation, that whatever happens, God is going to be with us. And we see these story after story where even Paul, when he's on his way to Rome in the book of Acts, he gets shipwrecked. And everyone's freaking out because they're in the sea and the ship's going crazy. And Paul says, no, don't worry. I need to go to Rome. The ship's not going to crash because God told me I have to go to Rome. We're going to be there. Like, we're not going to die. Like, he's learned this art of being content in every, any and every situation because God has given him this deep calling over his life. And so for you, like, what area in your life do you feel discontent Because whatever area that is for discontentment, there's always going to be warning signs for lust. And you're always going to be doing things to circumvent that, and you're going to be trying to solve this discontentment with lust. But the problem with lust is lust always makes us more discontent, and so it ends up in this downward spiral. And so really, this pursuit of contentment uh, is, is one that is so rooted and us achieving without baggage, that we can actually move forward in our lives, move forward in our faith without worry (laughs) that we're going to be doing it for the wrong reasons, that we're going to be doing it for our own uh, selfish gains, that we're going to be just doing it for ourselves. And so really, I think it's important for us to really ask, where are we discontent in our lives? And where can we learn to practice contentment? 
And how can we begin to uh, practice contentment? And really the way that we practice contentment is that we place all our hopes, all our ambitions, all our dreams, all our goals, all our passions in the hands of God. Because lust is really just distorted passion. So when we begin to take all those things and we actually just say, God, I'm going to place these in your hands. And God, I'm going to see what you can do with it. Maybe I think I'm supposed to go this direction, but you're going to call me to go that direction. And so it's one of the most difficult things to do, to actually say, these are my hopes, these are my goals, these are my dreams. And Jesus, I'm going to place those in your hands. And this is what we learned from the life of Paul. He's learned to live this life of contentment and peace. Uh, and really, we, when we begin to find contentment, we begin to find joy. So that no matter whether our goals and achievements, our successes or failures, we still have joy. Uh, whether we begin to see fruit at all, we have this contentment, this peace that we can, can keep going. And so for you here today... You know, especially in a room this size, I recognize that a lot of us, we feel this lustful passion. And a lot of us, we're pursuing our own gains. We're pursuing our own things that we want to see happen for ourselves. And my challenge to you today is, are you willing to give those things to God? Are you willing to place those at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, do with that what you will? And so ultimately, so we're doing a baptism service next week. And baptism is that ultimate declaration that we are saying, I'm giving everything to you, Jesus. Every bit of my future, every bit of my goals, my ambitions, my passions, my dreams, everything I'm giving to you because I want to do those things through you. I don't want to do those things alone. I want to die to myself so that, Jesus, you can live through me. And so really, it's such a bold, beautiful declaration that we move away from lust and we move towards the contentment and joy and peace that Jesus offers. And so I I wonder if there's anyone here that is even willing to take that step next week, that's willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go all in. I'm willing to give those passions, those dreams, those goals to Jesus. And I want to say, Jesus, I want to die to myself. I want to die to my lusts so that you can live through me, so that we could see amazing things happen. So that no matter what my circumstances, no matter what situations I find myself in, I know that you are for me. And that's what grace says, right? That's the beauty of living this life of faith, is that when we find forgiveness of all our lusts, when we find forgiveness of every one of those deadly sins, everything that's destroying us is that God forgives us, right? But he doesn't just forgive our present and our past. He forgives our future. Think about how profound that is, that God knows that tomorrow you're going to sin and you're going to do this. God knows that next week you're going to do that. And he forgives those things. Because I think it's really easy for us in our life that when we fail, we think God is mad at us, but God has already forgiven that if we've asked for it. And so I wonder today, do you have the courage to step into that? To admit you're not perfect. To admit that there's things that you're doing that are deadly to you and deadly to the world around you. And you say, Jesus, I'm going to place these things at your feet. And I want you to live through me so we could see beautiful things happen together. Would you pray with me, Mosaic?
Jesus, I thank you for the life that you offer. I thank you that you offer us eternal life. And I thank you that you offer us life in the present. And so Jesus, today, I pray that for every single one of us in this room, you will begin to surface all those things in our life that are deadly. All those sins that we have, all those hidden things, all those private areas that we look to hide. I pray that you will surface those, not not to make us feel guilty, but to help us to heal from them. So that we today can move away from sin and we can move towards your grace. And Jesus, in a room this size, the statistics tell me that 67% of... 60% of guys will look at porn at some point this month, whether they're in the church or not in the church. And I know that that can be a hidden thing, and I pray that you will give that person the courage to seek forgiveness, and I pray that you will give that person today the courage to reach out to someone for help. God, for the guilt and shame that we can feel through sexual sin, that shame that we bury deep in our gut and deep in our soul. I pray that we will have the courage to allow that to surface, to say, forgive me, and to allow that to be released now in your name, Jesus. And Jesus, I pray for that person in the room today that in their mind they're saying, I want to get baptized, but I don't know if I'm worthy. Help them to know, Jesus, that they are worthy. For that person in the room that's saying, I want to give my life to you, but I just don't know if you're real. I just don't know if you're there. God, I just pray that you will give them this peace that they cannot understand. I pray that you will give them this contentment that they've never known. And I pray that your voice will become a resounding gong in their head. Jesus, move amongst us today. Let your spirit speak to us and heal us and renew us and strengthen us. Because when we embrace that, when we embrace that contentment, just like Paul said, we can do all things through you. Through you, Jesus. Through you, Holy Spirit. For you, God the Father. We can do all things through you who gives us strength. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.